0: You're not going to say hello to Michelle. So there you go. Uh, Oh, hi, it's Pete Palmisano. And welcome to another edition of RLTP's Off-Road. This week, we have two great interview pieces for you. First of all, we're going to be talking to several of the members of the cast of the RLTP fundraiser, Beverly Hills Cop. It's a reading of the original Beverly Hills Cop script. It's a fundraiser for RLTP, and it's going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun, so many great actors on the stage, and all of them yucking it up and having a great time doing this Eddie Murphy piece that, that everyone loves from back in 1984. So you don't want to miss this. Then, the main interview this week is with a gentleman named Yao Khalil Newkirk. Now, who is Yao Khalil Newkirk? He is the current and newest artistic director over there at the Paul Robeson Theater. And when I heard he had taken over and I heard all the great things about the show that they recently produced, I said, i got to find out who this guy is. I've got to talk to him. He appears to be this nobody from out of nowhere. Well, guess what? He is not a nobody from out of nowhere. He is one of the most accomplished and successful men I've ever talked to. And he's from Buffalo. So this isn't just somebody they pulled out of the netherworld. This is a great, great story. So you will hear from Yao Khalil in a short time, and you will be as amazed as I am about how many ideas and activities this guy has going on. But first, coming up next Saturday at 8 p.m., April 2nd, the RLTP fundraiser, The Reading of Beverly Hills Cop, Starring Jake Hayes in the iconic Eddie Murphy role. You won't want to miss that. And here are a few of the members of the cast talking about just how much we're looking forward to this fun evening. Here are Scott Barron, Jake Hayes, Ricky Needham, Matt Witten, with me on Off-Road. Scott, why don't you start off by telling us, first of all, where did this whole concept come from of taking something from the film and then putting it
1: on stage? I started following Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, who's also a filmmaker. He started a reading series a number of years ago, I want to say at least 10 years ago now, that was out in Los Angeles to begin with. And then it also, I think, appeared in a couple of other major cities where he would take well-known films and do these really interesting readings with movie stars. And I know that he did like Empire Strikes Back and he had women playing men's parts and they changed it all up. And I just thought that was really interesting. That was where sort of the seed for the idea came from for this series. And then I was lucky enough to meet a man named Philip Carlson, who is now on our national advisory board. And Philip was a big time agent for theater and. Uh, film actors and actresses. And through my sort of relationship, and Philip is originally from Buffalo. And through my sort of uh, meeting Philip, I had talked about this idea, and he thought it was an interesting idea. But I was concerned at that time like, how do you get the royalties, though, to like, right, exactly. you know, do something like this? Yeah. So, because I know that those film companies would come and sue us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Unlike maybe some theatrical uh, royalty companies, film companies have a lot of money. So we started talking more seriously about this and going down the rabbit hole of trying to find out how do you get somebody to give you permission to do a one night only fundraiser. It literally took Philip, I think a year of communicating via email and phone calls to get our first property The Princess Bride, which we did right before, uh, well, actually the year before the pandemic. So this would have been 2019, was actually the first screen to stage fundraiser. And interestingly enough, that property was still under William Goldman, the original screenwriter's control. And Hmm. uh, he actually, he had to verbally sign off on uh, giving us permission to do that project, which he did. And then he promptly passed away, I think, about six months later.
0: And did Phil Carlson make all these connections for you and actually speak to Goldman and so on?
1: He did. I, I don't think he actually spoke to Goldman, but we got through his representation, the green light all in in writing, too. So hmm. but yeah, so that, that was a crazy process. And uh, he's you know, I give him all the credit for that because it's a it's a really sort of hellish process to, to get there. So we did The Princess Bride. It was so much fun. Uh, a lot of people came that night. I know Matt was you know, also in that original reading. and And then we followed that up right away with acquiring the rights through Paramount Pictures to do this one night only reading of Beverly Hills Cop. And this was supposed to happen in April of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so now we are here. Just two years later, yeah. Just two years later. Not much time uh, has passed. <laughs> just, the, just the earth around the sun a couple times. Much of the original cast is intact, but we've certainly had people who've then run into other conflicts that we've had to pull into the, the team here. But I'm excited to finally get to it. And that's all I'm going to say else about that. Before. Okay, just
0: one quick question. Why
1: Beverly Hills Cop? So Katie Mallinson and I, who's Katie is uh, co-directing this with me, she and I, when we first started talking about potential projects, We both wanted to sort of hit upon some films that originally, you know, we were interested in specifically, which all turned out to be like from the 1980s, at least to start. And uh, Beverly Hills Cop was always one of my favorite movies. Uh, You know, it's really the other than 48 Hours, it's really the movie, I think, that put Eddie Murphy completely on the map and he's phenomenal in it. And it's a movie that you can watch again and again and again. Oh, yeah. And the soundtrack is great. You're going to hear some of the soundtrack also in our reading, which will be super fun. It's from 1984, this movie. I couldn't
0: even believe how long it's been. 38 years or is that am i doing the math that's, right yeah i think that's correct that's right i mean matt was barely in kindergarten at that point. it's true it's 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 been a long time <laughs>
2: well
3: oh, thanks jake thanks for rubbing it in <laughs> thank you for the poignant reminder
0: yeah jake thanks very much speaking <laughs> of uh, let's introduce the cast so we've got jake hayes tell us who you're playing as if we can't figure that
4: out <laughs> what's up y'all i'm jake hayes uh, i'm playing axel foley well,
0: that'll be fun <laughs> yeah and yeah. moving up as they appear on my screen ricky you're next
5: so unmute yourself and tell us who you are sure well hello everyone my name is ricky needham and i am playing detective rosewood okay matt Witten, you're next my friend
3: uh, i am playing detective taggart and another gentleman speaking of which you know, I'm a little annoyed
0: that Dave gets to play a stripper and and Jen Stafford gets to play a thug or a goon, yeah, yeah. and I'm just stuck with Bogomil. Now, what is that all about? You want to address that, Scott? Because I'm I'm a little annoyed that I don't get to play a stripper or, or something like that. I mean, it out. when you think of Dave Mitchell, your mind immediately said, stripper
1: yeah well i mean i think that's part of the fun of this right i mean i'm i can't wait to actually see chris and trip kelly play uh maitland you i know, know i mean i, I think that's going to be super fun i'm trying to remember uh how we did it with princess bride some of the fun of the evening is also watching everyone play multiple characters mm-hmm. except you peter that's just i guess not as fun yeah no um, not at but
0: not as fun to do either. Matt were you yeah. in the you were in the previous one, right Matt
3: I was. I was in Princess Pride and, and did you play multiple roles then? I played Vicini and uh, the guy who guards the uh, Portcullis toward the end of the film who says, oh you mean this gate
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: So it is fun doing a bunch of different things. but I think Scott may be saving your tour de force for when they do showgirls. Screen to stage. Mm. <laughs> and then you can have all, all the strippery roles you want. <laughs> well, now you've
0: given away next year's. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah. I, I let the cat out of the bag. You, you, we've spoiled the
5: surprise. You have yeah. let the cat out of the bag. How about Ricky? Have you done these before? Have you done these sort of readings? I've not, and I've always wanted to, and I'm very excited that I finally get to. Um when I when I used to live in Chicago, a friend of mine was involved with a company that would do uh, a lot of staged readings, and they would do things like *The Big Lebowski*. They would do *Wayne's World*, and just these like classics that you would love to go go and check out and see how they would interpret it. So, to, so to get to be actually involved with something like that is really exciting. Jake, you've probably done staged readings, but nothing like this. Yeah, nothing this. And int-
4: I mean, involved. I mean, I did do once in my lifetime, and we that was a reading prior. And it was it was heavily involved and a lot of movement for a stage reading. But I think this will be a little bit more of a challenge in that it'll be a lot more, just a lot more to handle. For <laughs> sure. but
0: yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you've studied the movie, right? <laughs>
4: a couple times. It's funny. My my best friend called me a couple days ago when he when they announced online
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, this year's announcement, and uh, he was like, you, what, Beverly Hills Cop? Do you know, this is my favorite movie." And then I had to. No, I didn't. <laughs> so he's like, "Well, you better get the laugh down. No pressure. So oh yeah. That down. I'm to get that. Shirt.
3: Eddie Murphy's.
0: Oh man, that's that, that's too much pressure. I, I, I wouldn't expect anybody to It's be just able. one
4: of those things, you know. Ricky had mentioned they did like Wayne's World. You try to imagine trying to replaster that up for people who have seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: mm-hmm. I, I'm
4: not Eddie Murphy hope maybe we'll confuse a couple people but for the most part they know I'm not him but I'm going to try to embody as much of that Axel for sure as much as Eddie is in there but Axel is his own place so definitely going to be trying to channel some of it.
0: Speaking of challenges one of the challenges when you have you know a bunch of people sitting on stage is the organization of who gets to up to the microphone at a certain time and I am just floored by the Pre planning on this that took place two years ago, of course. Yeah. But I mean, Scott and Katie have it so that this line, somebody stands up and goes over to microphone one, and then somebody goes to microphone two, and the D, B, C, you gotta know your D. letters. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is it's 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 challenging because it's not it can't be it can't just look like it's a bunch of random people right. standing up and sitting down at weird. It's it's all got to be coordinated, and it's got to be coordinated in advance because. Scott, very quickly, just to tell everybody the plan for the day, because the actors have about three hours to get this right. Like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it's a fundraiser. We arrive, I think, at the theater at like three thirty and we're going to they're going to get to all read it together once with us. And uh, then we eat dinner and then we do it in front of an audience. So. It's uh, fast choices, and uh, but I think that that also speaks to the amount of uh, pre-production work that, you know, Katie and I did three years ago now.
0: That kind of planning saves a ton of time Yeah, when you're doing this. You know, many of us have been in stage readings before, and sometimes you have like two or three rehearsals because, well, should I stand here? Should he stand? Where should we go? We don't have time for that kind of junk. It's got to be done ahead of time or, or we're just going to be wasting a lot of precious time. Ricky, did you, have you analyzed your character and what would you say is the character's main, main character traits of this person?
5: You know, for the reading, my, my main goal is to not pull any of the, the laughs away from anybody else because I get, I get to be the straight person and I, I get to just kind of observe and watch all the funny happen around me especially getting getting to do so many things with Jake I always love working with him on anything so so this especially is just going to be a treat just to just to kind of yes and him so that he can do all the all the fun stuff mm-hmm. what are you most looking
0: forward to besides doing it and getting it over with I think it's going to be a blast Matt let's start let's start with you Matt what, what are you looking forward to
3: it's going to be fun to get back up on one's feet and uh, play around with a group of great folks. And uh, especially on a movie like this, where you're going to have a a section of the audience, that's going to know it really, really well, most likely, hopefully, Mm -hmm. and uh, playing off the audience. And, and like we did with princess bride, trying to bring a little bit of the flair of the original performances that, you know, are, are from the film. To the this you know not doing a, a complete mimic, but trying to to be as uh, as true to the original as possible to give it that flavor. When was the last time you saw the movie? Oh, it's been probably a couple of years. I think probably when we were we had it slated for twenty nineteen. I had Netflix get it for me. Yeah. So I, I put Netflix back on the hunt. I'm one of those freaks that still gets DVDs sent to me in the mail, but uh, they are going to send me Beverly Hills Cop, and I'm going to watch it next week well it's funny because when this was announced two years ago
0: shortly after that it was on i think HBO, hbo max hbo no no hbo max didn't even exist
4: oh wow it didn't
0: even exist two years ago and it was on hbo like west coast hbo 3 or something and i just happened to catch it, it shortly after scott announced or or asked me to take part in this and of course i hadn't seen it since 1984 <laughs> w- when i was eight years old so i was super know.
4: excited to get into the research material and my mom she sent me this big black box and it, it, it had like a <laughs> square attachment to it and it came with a a, a cartridge
0: Oh, really? Man. Is it a VHS tape?
4: Oh, you 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 bought one of those? You had one of those?
0: Are you kidding me? I still have one right over here. I dust. have one right there.
4: Right, I meant to put the VHS <laughs> in. And it was my mom's wedding. You know, it was recorded over. So I'm not the <laughs> online now.
0: Yeah, that's that's an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond <laughs> when he records over his, over his wedding, and it's the Bills jet the Bills Giants first Super Bowl game.
1: No Bills. Go bills. Yeah,
0: go bills that's right
1: it is on hbo max right now yeah. so if you do if anybody wants to check it out it's it's on there right now and you can refresh yourself before, that's where i uh, watched it <laughs> beverly hills cop yeah. is that
0: right that's, i didn't yeah. know it was on hbo max yeah. uh let's let's talk about who else is in this jen miss livy is doing the narrator she's gonna be busy
1: she has the hardest job uh the narrator for princess bride also you talk a lot because you got to remember it's a film so we've got to.
0: A lot We've of you paint
1: the pictures of, of what's going on all through words, so. right?
0: And have you changed the script to add more description, or are we literally doing the? Is she do, literally doing the description as it's described in the original script?
1: It's pretty faithful uh, to the script, but we had to retype it, the whole thing too. I should put a plug in there for that because just to be able to add it, because the only version of it that we could get was like a an online PDF of it that was somewhere. So. Mm-hmm. And I did, I did, I was actually copious in some ways because Eddie Murphy actually improvs
0: oh. quite
1: a bit in certain spots yep. from the original text. And I made sure that we addressed that because we don't want fans of the film going away going, wait, that's not what happened there. So <laughs> Going away? They won't let us go away. They'll tell yeah, us.
0: So so Matt, Matt and I will not be able to do our improv? Is, is that what you're saying? That's right. Yes. Pretty disappointing. Oh.
5: You can't do any <laughs> stripping. Great. You can't do any improv. This is, oh boy. <laughs> there are hard and fast rules for these readings. Yes,
3: yeah.
4: <laughs>
5: They're new too. I did you know, plan. <laughs> all right. So also we have
0: Kristen Tripp-Kelly, who's playing uh, Maitland and Rand. Uh, let's see. Who else? we got? Oh, Leah Burst playing Jeanette. Dave Mitchell playing Carlotta. I'm not going to read all the names, but I'll just tell you. Dave Mitchell is in there. Jen Stafford, John Kazarowski, Lisa Vetrano, Dan Ertz, and others. All right, let's do a last plug, Scott. It's going to be April 2nd. Tickets are available online. 8 p.m. start.
1: The bar will be open, so get there early. This is definitely a show where you want to sit and have a cocktail and enjoy yourself. So
0: I plan to do that before we start. So that's yeah. That, that'll make for a much a much more fun reading.
1: You know, not unlike one of the old Dean Martin roasts. I believe during Princess Bride, I think a number of the actors also enjoyed a beverage right on stage. So you know.
0: No, I I can't believe that. That would be very unprofessional. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, that would be extremely.
0: It's that would be I'm professional. Yeah, none of us would do that. None. Oh, I was just gonna say Ricky's the only one who hasn't said, "Oh, I would never do that." But and then you chimed right in. Gosh, no, me. <laughs> the last time I had a drink with Matt Witten, I think it was Death's Door Gin, and uh, I, I'm still looking forward to that.
3: Oh well, I should just bring the bottle then.
0: <laughs> Scott, did I forget anything? No, I think you got it all. All right, my friends, thank you very much for doing this. I'll see you all uh, in a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, Not sounds even. Sounds good. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. 10 to days see you or so. Can't wait. A couple weeks. All right, take, take care, boys. Thanks, Peter. So long. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.
3: Bye
1: bye.
0: So, those are the boys from Beverly Hills Cop. And when I say boys, of course, I mean men. And when I say men, I mean, where was the femininity? Where was Lisa Vitrano and Jen Mislevy and and Kristen Tripp-Kelly and Leah Burst? It's all my fault. Very bad planning. I should have had some ladies there. My apologies. And here I am following it up with more testosterone. Yao Khalil Newkirk is an amazing young man. He's... There are so many things that I couldn't even fit in the podcast. He planned his own surprise wedding as a surprise. And since he's a gardener, he's starting a farm. He's got so many activities and plans, and and I couldn't even fit all of them into the the podcast. I mean, he's got a dessert company. He's got a nonprofit that does shoes for homeless people. He writes children's books. I mean, holy cow. And did I mention that he's the artistic director of the Paul Robeson Theater over there at the African-American Cultural Center? Here's Yao Khalil Newkirk. Let's start with first things first. You have been named, appointed, whatever, as, what is your actual title now? Is it also executive director? Are you artistic director? Are you both? Because that's that's the trend these days.
2: (laughs) I am the artistic director of the Paul Robeson theater component, but I do other things as well <laughs> here at the agency. You know, many of us, we are multi-purpose employees, but no, I um
0: You got to be, yeah.
2: right. We have to be, right? <laughs> you know, especially working for a nonprofit, you know, we do some of everything. But my main position is artistic director
0: of the theater. How did you arrive in this position? Was it something you were... Was it something you were pursuing or was it something that somebody tapped you on the shoulder and said, you know what? You've got some theater background and some real history that might be of some value here. Uh. (laughs) Go go for it.
2: I was the underdog. Okay. So when the position became available, it really came down to two of us. There were two of us that were interviewing for this position. One of them is also another well-known individual here in the theater community. Mm -hmm. And so we both interviewed for the position and they chose the other person over me, which was fine because I knew who she was and the work that she'd done already. And people were more familiar with her Mm -hmm. in the Buffalo area because I had been away for 20 years traveling and working and doing theater and all that other stuff outside of the city um, when I came back to Buffalo. And so (laughs) they loved both of us. They chose her because of their familiarity with her, I am assuming, uh, in in addition to the work that she was doing in Buffalo already. And she was, you know, a little bit older and what some might say more experienced because of the age thing. And so, but they didn't want to let me just go. So they still wanted to work with me. And they were trying to figure out how they could keep both of us. (laughs) And so,
0: Uh. right. (laughs) And so... That's called having your cake and eat it too.
2: Absolutely. And so I ended up being hired to be the front office manager for the whole agency. Uh, yeah. And so I took that position as the, the manager for the front office. That position had also recently become available. And so I um I stepped into that and I worked that position for maybe about three months.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was there maybe three months before the person they hired for the Artistic Director of the Theater decided to bow out. Uh, <laughs> and because I was already in the agency working and had already interviewed for the position, <laughs> they they kind of slid me over <laughs> into, gotcha. into this position to see, you know, how I work, be a good fit.
0: And... Kind of stuck. I know you just had a very successful Facing Our Truth in February, but that was the first production in a while. Am I correct? That was the first in person production. Everything Mm -hmm. else was virtual. I see. Okay. So
2: when I stepped into the position, which was the fall of 2020, we were beginning, you know, it was the beginning of theater season and I came in right behind the eight ball because shows should have already been getting ready to go. Sure. Right when I came in, I had to immediately figure something out, and I started doing virtual productions, and that went. We, as a matter of fact, we were doing virtual for the last year and a half, wow. and so we've just we've just gotten to doing in-person productions this
3: this year.
0: Oh, I did. not You know, I didn't realize that. So when did you actually take over the position? I thought it was more recent. I thought it was part of the. Twenty twenty one. Well, go ahead. You talk. When when no, you, was, when did no. you actually take over?
2: <laughs> it was the fall of twenty twenty. No kidding. Seriously. And and so we. I interviewed for the position. I believe somewhere around August of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And so in the middle uh, of
0: COVID, in the middle of the yeah home. Yeah, oh. yeah yeah
2: yeah. Okay. And you know, like for current up, that's like September. Yes. And so I started the front office manager position in September at the same time that the other individual started the artistic director position. Okay. And so September goes by, October goes by, by November, I'm in this position. It was really like two months. By November, I'm in this position trying to figure out what are we going to do for theater now? Because I'm in the middle of the season and nothing's happened. And so then I started filming to do virtual pieces. And so that's how that's how that happened. It was right at the end of 2020.
0: I follow you now. Now, let me let me ask you this. Did you have a history as a young man? I mean, as a child, I talked to Leroy Johnson recently, interviewed him. Mm-hmm. He and his brother, Rick James, he and his brother had a lot of a lot of interplay with the African American Cultural Center. That's where they grew up. That's where they got into music. They were a part of it right from the, their youngest days. Is that true of you as well? Because I know you, you're a Buffalo man. You you grew up here, right? I'm not sure where, but you, well, where did you grow? <laughs> where did you grow up?
2: I grew up all over Buffalo. Uh, right. You know, we moved just a little bit. I grew up mostly on. I guess this would be considered the. East Side of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to school and uh, well, in my public school days, I was at Build Academy. Then from Build Academy, I went to City Honors, and I was also at Bennett High School. Bennett,
0: right, right. Yeah, so uh,
2: I, I did grow up
0: here in Buffalo. Yes. So did you have a lot of connection with the ACC? Yes, actually,
2: uh, you know, my my grandmother used to bring me here for all the events when I was, when I was, you know, a kid. Yeah. Uh, she, she's the one that introduced me to the agency and she used to bring me here for all the events. I used to come to the quasi event, which was a week long event and any productions that were happening. Uh, she would bring me to, uh, participate in the events and, what I love, and I don't get a chance to tell this story often, so I'm going to tell it now. You tell it. I got my first professional acting gig here at the Paul Robeson Theater. <laughs> this is where it started for me, right? And so...
0: Amazing. Love it.
2: The late, the great Willie Judson. Willie Judson, yep. He was the first one. I came, I auditioned for a show called The Mighty Gents, which was like 20 years ago that he directed <laughs> the show. And he took a chance and he said, Said, I see something in you and I think, you know, you will be a good fit. And so he hired me as Braxton the pimp in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how old were you <laughs> i was probably 19
0: okay. or so right. old enough to be a the pimp.
2: okay oh geez yeah <laughs> and so uh, and so um i i played the role and i still have all of my my reviews and everything from the show to this day that's great i had best reviews so <laughs> but i got my start right here at the agency my first professional gig and i always said that i wanted to be able to come back to do something for my community here in this capacity And um, what's interesting is that when I first got back to Buffalo, I came here to the theater, you know, under the administration that was there at the time. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And, you know, I wanted to produce some work and do some stuff and I
0: was told, no. (laughs) You were told (laughs) no? I was told, I was told, no. Because you had other, you had other, uh, we'll we'll get to all of this, but you, you have other artistic endeavors. It's not just theater. And so you wanted to do maybe one of your artistic installations or something? No,
2: I was going to do a play. Oh, gee. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so no, no. no. I wanted to uh, see about directing or producing a play, Ah. you know, as the other directors have been doing. But. You know at the time the current artistic director told me no and suggested that i come to one of her acting classes and so <laughs> <laughs> i love it you know and again this is without really knowing who i was of course sure. or my background and without even taking the time to find out my background and my history
0: you're some stranger off the street who comes right, in and says, right, right. i want to do a play i understand okay It's not completely unreasonable that they turn right, right, right.
2: right. But again, (laughs) I'm not unfamiliar to the agency. I see. The people who work here know me. (laughs) And so, and so, right, as a matter of fact, they know me enough to have hired me that same summer to be the theater director for the summer program.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: And And so, anyway. It is what it is. Um, And that's okay. You know, it happens. I get it. And so I just, it's it's really full circle for me to be able to now be in the position at the same theater, you know, doing the productions that I believe are worth telling the stories of.
0: Yeah. That's a wonderful story. Let's go back to your family a second. Were you part of a large family that was all involved in in stuff at the AACC, or was it just that you got lucky enough that-
2: Listen, everyone in my family is, there were frequenters of the agency. My aunt used to dance at the African, you know, in wow. cultural center here, you know, in the, uh, the dance and drum uh, ensemble, she used to dance here. My aunt used to do some work here as well. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of my extended family actually were staff members
0: here at the agency. That's
2: and so I, I've been a part of this agency for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, in and out.
0: Do you have siblings who were also involved in artistic endeavors?
2: Yeah. My brother is actually Simba in The Lion King on Broadway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I just wanted to hear you say it. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's very cool. And they've reopened, I'm sure by now.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually. Uh, he's in Korea right now, closing out the the show there. Wow. So, wow. yeah, just talked to him yesterday. So he's closing out that show right now. Simba, and, well, uh,
0: a minor role. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, but you know, he's he's been doing Simba for years. Yeah. Um, on Broadway, you know. He's always tried to get out, but they always make him an offer. He just can't refuse. <laughs> so, you know, Broadway money is good money.
0: Yeah, you so. can't turn, it is an offer you can't turn down. Good for him. Good for him. So you, after you went to Bennett, I'm just going, I'm jumping around here. but So after mm-hmm. your education and your experiences at the African-American Cultural Center, you, you went to Bennett High School. Did you get involved in any kind of uh, music or theater there?
2: It wasn't until after I graduated high school that I really got involved in the arts.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then I did the audition for the agent, for the agency. That was once I started my work at UB okay. in the theater and dance department. And that was inspired by Lorna Hill, Uh, (laughs)
0: the late, the late, the great. Um, I love her so much. Well, everybody knew her love.
2: She did a show at the Irish Classical Theater 27 years ago called Wit
0: by Margaret Edson. Yes, I remember that. You remember that, right? Of course. I'm an old man. I remember that. Absolutely. (laughs) I remember what the poster looked like. I can see the poster in my
2: head. Yes. That show was so fantastic. And it was the first theatrical production I had ever really seen Uh, and so it changed my life and I always told Lauren that that show that she did changed my life that was the reason why I got involved in theater was from watching her do Wit and it's so crazy because now we're preparing to do Wit in the fall as a tribute to Lorna Hill
0: oh wonderful
2: (laughs) yes that's great yes 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 so that's how I got involved in uh, the idea of working towards something in the arts.
0: Did you go to UB specifically for the theater and arts department? Or were you looking for another career? I was doing a double major. Mm-hmm. It was
2: theater. I was doing theater and I went initially to uh, study uh,
0: sign language. Really? Where did that come from? <laughs> well, I mean, d- did you have deaf family or anything like that? Or did you just found it fascinating?
2: I had friends. Mm-hmm who were part of the deaf community. They were hearing, but their parents were deaf. And so I was always with them and with their parents. And, you know, we had religious affiliation. And so I was always around them while they were doing sign language. It was fascinating. And I just, I really wanted to learn. So I started going to school for sign
0: language and for theater. Amazing. Well, you know, you have to go see Tribes at Road Less Traveled. You would love this play. It's all about learning to sign and becoming part of the deaf community instead of part of the community that is sort of pretending to live among the hearing if you know what I'm what I'm getting at all right so anyway back to you <laughs> so you get to UB and, and and you're taking theater courses and sign language courses and so on and walk me through that after my sophomore year I I quit <laughs> oh just just got out okay
2: no, no that's not really what happened but um <laughs> after my after my sophomore year I ended up relocating to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh,
0: yeah, okay. And I
2: relocated within a two weeks notice. My family, my mother, my father, my sisters had moved down there a few months earlier Mm -hmm. and I ended up moving within a two weeks notice to Phoenix. And so I put my education on pause. Gotcha. And at that time I began doing the work,
0: yeah. So from then, from, from Arizona, where did you move on from there and what were you doing out there?
2: So I began uh, writing my own productions. I started writing my own plays. I started uh, mostly songwriting. I was writing a lot of a lot of songs at the time, mm-hmm. and I started shopping my songs around. And so I was going back and forth to California because I started singing with a group out there.
0: <laughs> I got to tell so, people that you have so many irons in the fire: you, artist, author, actor, poet, songwriter. Yes, uh, uh, yes. Uh,
2: yeah, I absolutely love the arts, and so. Mm-hmm. I was writing songs. And at the time I started writing for some people who were like mainstream gospel artists. And I uh, got one of my songs, you know, on their album and I was like, yay for me. And so then uh, I was singing with the group out there and I ended up relocating after about three, three and a half years to Los Angeles. Hmm. And while I was out there in Los Angeles, I was adopted into the Sister Act family, and so that's how that happened. My mentor, who was also from Buffalo, Professor Iris Stevenson, she is the music director at Crenshaw High School. I began working with her at Crenshaw High School, and you know she is the inspiration behind Sister Act Two, the movie. Right. That story is about her and her students.
0: Crenshaw—that's in L.A. in yes. L.A. High, high School. Yes, it is. Uh, Crenshaw High School, go Crenshaw Cougars. And
2: so (laughs) I began my work as one of the Sister Act kids and she traveled me all over the world performing and touring with any and everyone that you could think of, every award show, American Music Awards, BET Awards, and we performed no work with the original cast of Guys and Dolls. We we did work with Enrique Iglesias, Ludacris, Usher, uh, Ben Vereen, Della Reese, Ray Charles was our benefactor. You know, we recorded the song Um You Raise Me Up. You know, Josh Groben. Yes, that's yes. us singing. That's us doing the
0: background. Doing the background.
2: Yeah. Wow. And so we've worked with artists all over the world. We've always performed in at least seven different languages. We've done the World Choir Olympics. People don't even know that's a thing,
0: right? No, I the didn't.
2: World Choir Olympics is huge. <laughs> we competed against over... 80 choirs from around the world
0: wow.
2: at the World Choir Olympics. They changed the name to the World Choir Games. It's like the Olympics.
0: Like the Olympics, sure.
2: Yeah, and, and we were so fortunate to have won multiple gold medals and silver medals in different categories in Japan, China, Korea, oh uh, Austria, Germany, France. We'd even performed in North Korea, and nobody goes to North Korea. Nobody goes <laughs> so, there.
0: No. Now, let me ask you, did... Did you know Iris? You must have known Iris from Buffalo, yes, in some way? Or did you, was this a coincidental meeting? I knew who she was before I started working with her. because of her
2: everybody knew that she was sister act right especially in my community and so she was one of the international music directors for one of the largest christian music organizations in the world and so she has a lot of influence everybody knows her (laughs) she's got contracts with disney and everything else so she's She's, she's pretty well known. And she's also in the, the, the Gospel Music Hall of Fame and some other stuff. And so she, she's been around. She was a prodigy, a child mm-hmm. prodigy. You know, she graduated college at like 16 years old. And she began teaching at university at like the age of 17 or something.
0: We have to get back to Buffalo, but <laughs> this is such a...
2: My life story, yeah, it took me... I, I went so many directions to get me
0: back to Buffalo. What did bring you back to Buffalo?
2: When I left Los Angeles... And that was also in a, a week's notice. When I left uh, Los Angeles, I moved to
0: Atlanta. My family lives there now. So, okay. And my family does too, because when they left
2: Phoenix, they went to Atlanta and I went to LA. Oh. And,
0: and so, and so I went to go
2: and help my family out in Atlanta. Oh. I was supposed to stay for about six months
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: ended up staying for eight years.
0: <laughs> so, Is that where you met your wife, Takoya? Yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) It's all all fitting together now, the puzzle pieces.
2: That's exactly what happened. (laughs) After four years of being there, because I started noticing patterns in my life, every four years I had a big life change happening. (laughs) Uh, Four years, I left Phoenix and went to LA. After four years, I went to Atlanta. After four years, years, I got married.
0: (laughs) Those are life-changing. Yeah, yeah. It's a
2: life-changing, right. And so I ended up staying another four years. But during that time, I was really into writing my own shows and then I started putting them on, I started producing my own shows. And I was doing it in the local theater circuit on the east side of Atlanta, like uh, Decatur, Lithonia, yes, all yes. up there on, on those sides. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some new, like the Porter Sanford Theater that was, uh, that was new and opened up out there. And so I was doing some work out there, writing my own shows and what have you. And at some point I said, I want to do more. And as I got deeper and deeper into the industry, it started to feel like, I could not be taken as seriously as I wanted to without having the the degrees and the credentials to kind of oh. back up. That was my impression, mm-hmm. that in order for me to be able to go into these doors, like the Woodruff Art Center that's out there in Atlanta, and to work in these theaters, that I would have to get something to say I have credibility and that I'm knowledgeable about my area,
0: right? And I'm sure you're right about that. I mean, talent is not enough. Sometimes just to get in the door, you got to have the paperwork, and I, I follow you with that. Yeah.
2: And so that was how I felt during that time. And that's what prompted me to go back to school. And so I attempted to go to school in Atlanta. It wasn't working out. And I ended up moving my entire family to Buffalo. (laughs) And by this time, by this time, I probably have at least four kids oh my (laughs) gosh okay (laughs) and and so my wife and i we all we drove up to buffalo in these trucks and it took 26 hours to drive and so we got here (laughs) and we got here in june I applied back to UB mm-hmm. and I, I started that August. Mm. So I started school right when I got back to Buffalo. As a matter of fact, when I came back, I did a double again. I said, I'm going to finish my double, but instead I was, my doubles were Japanese what? and and theater performance.
0: <laughs> what Was this because you spent so much time over in Asia in North Korea and doing all this thing with Iris that, that, that you yes. had an interest yes, all of yes, a sudden? Yes holy Absolutely.
2: Cow. I I began doing a lot of mission work in Japan because of Iris and so I was doing workshops in Japan I was teaching music in Japan and I was doing it all on my own by this point because she taught me how to do it and so then I started doing it and traveling by myself working with the consulate and people in Japan and because I was out there so much I said I need to know the language a little bit more so that I don't always have to have a translator with me
0: holy cow
2: and so I did I did a few years of Japanese at UB, learning the language, and some self-study as well, and then I was also doing a theater performance. So I got my BA, I finished my bachelor's, and then I continued and went straight through my master's in theater performance, and then I continued, and now I'm in the process of finishing my Ph.D. in Africana and American Studies at U.B.
0: Holy cow!
2: Um, and so I'm I'm putting all of it together to uh, do the work that I want to do.
0: <laughs> well, wait, with, with four kids, how you? Oh no, no, no. We,
2: we 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 came here with four kids but we have six now
0: so <laughs> <laughs> oh okay my mistake <laughs> and i've seen uh, i've seen pictures of your lovely wife what does she do besides wrangle six kids <laughs> she is also she's
2: a performer she's an actress as well oh great she she does do that but she um she she was working in the the health industry mm-hmm. in addition to uh she's Running a nonprofit organization that we have called My Feet Are Off the Ground.
0: I wanted to ask you about that, but later on, but yes, you can yes. talk about that. Well, we'll talk about that later on, but uh, yeah, so
2: I also had a dessert company in Atlanta, and so I was also doing that because my whole family were also chefs. And this we is called
0: had- the Twisted Cheesecake, we'll get to that too. The Twisted Cheesecake, yes, but, oh, yeah. well, I had to do some research on you, my friend, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so so you're doing some side jobs and and Pulling this all together, I I I am yeah. just lost in admiration for for your energy. First of all, and and Taquia's her her energy because six kids and a job and going to school and yes, and now did. you're doing this and uh, it's uh it's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. Yeah, I mean I mean i
2: I've been really really fortunate to have a great support system. I don't have all my family here, but I have grandparents here. Mm. And so my grandmothers, they used to help us out. They they still do help us out quite a bit. And and so that's, you know, a blessing because it has been rough trying to get through school full-time and it wasn't until I started the PhD program that I got my TA ship Mm -hmm. where I could start getting, you know, money while I go to school. And then thank goodness, you know, my whole uh, PhD program is being paid for. And so that's also a blessing, but you know, I'm still a full-time student and not only am I the artistic director here, but I'm an adjunct right now at SUNY Fredonia in the theater dance department.
0: Holy Uh, cow.
2: (laughs) Holy cow. uh, Right. So, and you know, so I'm directing a production pipeline out there Mm -hmm. uh, right now we're getting ready for that show. So, you know, we're, we're still busy, very busy. I have
0: to ask you. So, how much time does the Paul Robeson Theater take of your life? I, I, I assume you're there now. I, I don't know that. But uh, um, but I, I assume you're there now. I mean... Listen, I'm not
2: sure that I could say that with maybe some legal implications <laughs> later on because I am here for much more than I'm actually scheduled. <laughs> oh, I'm
0: sure you are. I'm absolutely sure you You know, sure like, you are. listen... Has listen to be.
2: T- technically, right? Technically, this is considered... Right now, a part-time position.
0: Okay,
2: I'm a one-man theater, right?
0: Uh, of course you are.
2: Yeah. And so, with that being the case, you know, it's very easy to to see that I, you know, I'll be here for between 80 and 100 hours per time period, oh and God. it's because I, I I love the work that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a passion for for seeing this agency thrive. And I want to continue to put work out here for our community of theater goers to really be able to engage with us and, you know, to have something they can come and see and participate in. And I just I love doing what I do. Mm -hmm. So the truth is, I would almost do what I do for
0: free. I'll cut that out. Right. Cut it out. (laughs) Cut it out. You know, (laughs) well, that's that old saying about if you're doing what you love. You know, you don't really work a day because you're doing what you love.
2: Yeah, that's right. As long as you're treating me well, you know, you know, and we're, we're all being respectful to one another, you know, I'll, I'll do what I'm doing all day, all night with no regard to time, sleep, food, or anything else. Cause it's what I love to do.
0: Well, I have to say though, I, it, one, the one job I've always said I, I would never want to do cause it's so much pressure is artistic director of a theater. Because you're picking shows, you're picking directors, you're picking casts, you're 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 doing all of this stuff. Is there is there someone else there, at least helping you out, even on a part time basis, or are you literally <laughs> what you just said, well, a one man show? I will say this: because of all that's happened
2: and with with COVID and so many cutbacks that we had to make, I I have been a one man theater, but. I'm in the process of rebuilding the theater mm-hmm. because there was always, you know, a, a set staff of people and designers to do the work here. I see. Now I'm in a position where I'm reaching out and getting new designers and and new other directors and, and new stage managers and people that I am going to be relying on to come and help. Uh, here in the theater. So I'm building it, rebuilding it from scratch just a little bit. You know, it's, it's probably a really good position to be in. It's rough, but it's good to be able to build it the way that I want it to be.
0: I know that you're, you've done some of these artistic installations, and I've, I've seen, I saw one of the videos of it. Yes. Is that something you intend to include or intend to make part of the programming at the Paul Robeson, or is, as part of, uh, I don't know, somehow integrated into the theater in some way? Uh, no, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: He just took a big sigh and rolled his eyes. <laughs> It's like, what is this man talking about? Yeah, go ahead. No,
2: no, listen. You know, I am absolutely going to be implementing some of these other artistic points of view that I have. So when I did my Now You See Me production last uh, summer, Mm -hmm. that was, it was a combination of performance as well as display. It was uh, three dimensional pieces. Absolutely. So I, I wanted it to feel more like a museum art installation, like if you were to go to Albright, Knox, or somewhere, an actual installation, but it was something that you could also participate in with the per, with the performance. Mm-hmm. And so I call it was I called it a walkthrough installation. Mm-hmm. And so yes. you came in. And had the performance with the actors that were on stage, and it was interactive.
0: Gotcha. And
2: then from there, the rest of the the experience was self exploratory. I see. And so it was all self exploration, and you went through and experienced the art on your own terms. And so it's challenging because a lot of this particular community that is used to coming to the Paul Robeson, they're only used to seeing plays.
0: Plays, right
2: right? And so the challenge is that I want to be able to open up their experiences to see other forms of performance art and installations, things that are not specifically plays, but are still theater, Mm -hmm. that are still performance, that are still art. And I want to be able to open up this, this whole world of art that's out there that some of some of these people who come to the theater will never go to Albright max
4: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
2: Some of them will never go to some of the other you know theaters and see the other types of art that are out there. So I want to make it available here at the Paul Robeson theater so that they get a chance to <clears throat> explore maybe a different area of art that they might not may, may not have considered previously. Mm-hmm and just to see what it's like. And so I kind of have to ease it in, you know, and and the truth is even the, the 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 people who who work here like they were on the board and, and what have had because this is my first time dealing with a board uh, of directors you know <laughs> and, and so you know but the truth is they're like we want to see plays we want to see plays you know and so and, and of course sure. and, and of course I'm still
0: going to do you know traditional plays well the Robeson they've got such a tradition they've got such a storied history since 1968 and yes. so it, would it be fair to say your priorities as you were saying you know, first of all you're you're trying to build back the theater and the, you know, the designers and all of the people who help. Yes, yes. And then your next priority would be to get back on board and getting the traditional plays. I know you're auditioning for A Raisin in the Sun. Yes. There's nothing more traditional than, you know, Lorraine Hansberry's uh, A Raisin in the Sun. Raisin in the Sun, that's right. They, that's what they're going to want to see. And then, and then thirdly, you'd like to expand the programming to include, as you said, different types of art that that maybe your your usual patrons do not have the opportunity. So you're, you yeah. want to expand the programming would be the third thing on your on your very extensive <laughs> list of, of on your to do list, I should say. Yes. But it's there somewhere because it's in your it's in your background. You have so much. Man, you've got so much in your own personal experience of your own personal talents and your skills and your personal interests you want to bring that into, to share it with other people.
2: Absolutely. I, I am a, I'm an overall artist. I'm a performer. I love all, and that's one of the reasons why I work so well in theater mm-hmm. because I found one, I found a place where I could use all of my different skills and, and talents to work together in one location. And that's in theater, on stage, in production. Okay. Cause I didn't even tell you about, The other stuff, right? (laughs) When I was in Los Angeles, I was also a clothing designer. I used to sell my clothes at boutiques in L.A., Wow! you know, that was how I made my rent was by making, I would sit in my living room with my sewing machine. Thank you, grandma, for teaching me how to sew. And I would design clothes and I would just walk to the different boutiques and I would sell them. To them and they will resell them to the
0: public. That's terrific. But that's your art. You know, you gotta get your art out some way. It's gotta, it's inside and it's gotta get out. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And so so
2: I so I'm a I'm a designer. I love production. I love putting things together and making this big thing happen. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I wanna be able to to uh I want others to be able to experience production value in different in mm-hmm. different levels you know on different levels so yeah that's 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 what I, i'm oh, hoping to man. get
0: man <laughs> it, it, it's well it sounds glorious it sounds like it's yeah. ambitious for sure and and yeah. I, you know just for 2 seconds just just spend 2 seconds telling us about the twisted cheesecake oh because is that still going with with family down in atlanta or is it something is it an online thing or tell us a little bit about that
2: i actually moved it from atlanta to buffalo okay and i started doing it online in buffalo and then when i really 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 got busy in school i pulled back to only doing it for special events i see so when people have special events or what have you i would do that or i would do vending events and i would put up my my whole setup and and sell for special events you know around the city vending and what have you so i still do it but i I'm only doing it right now um, for special events and and functions for vending until we open up the actual cafe,
0: which is going to be happening in a little while. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because you don't have enough irons in the fire. And is it all desserts?
2: No, it's actually going to be, uh, well, the main part is desserts. hmm our flagship product is our sweet potato cheesecake, oh. okay? And so that's what the company was built on, was the sweet potato cheesecake. And
0: are these all old
2: family recipes? Yeah, these are actually all my personal recipes. Wow, okay. And they have become family recipes.
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And so we are opening up a cafe, but it's going to be something that we serve Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. Every day, it's, it's, it's because brunch is like my menu, and so we're gonna be it'll be brunch and then desserts.
0: Yeah, when you get a spare minute and you, <laughs> you get nothing but, I mean, I, you, you bake these things yourself, or you must have? Does your wife help? Do you have a staff of bakers and chefs and cooks? What?
2: Ah. Uh... Yeah, good times. So when I first started really doing it, I, I did most of it myself because as an Aquarius, I don't believe anyone else is gonna do it the way that I'm gonna do it. And so <laughs> you know, and I um I have I have this thing. It's like if you're gonna do it, do it with excellence. Put your blood, sweat, and tears into it the way that I do. And so, yes, I do have uh, people that would help me. And my family does a lot of help. I actually have a son. He's 16. He'll be 17 this year. And he's in school for culinary arts and hospitality management oh, here in Buffalo. Oh, he convenient. goes to the, the school. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And so <laughs> it just turned You're gonna out. you got
0: to put him to work. Mm-hmm. I put him to work. Uh, <laughs>
2: and, and, well, and he's 16 does,
0: now. He says, start carrying his weight. <laughs> That's right. And so,
2: everyone in my house needs to bring home a check.
0: And so, he
2: <laughs> <laughs> he certainly, uh, he does uh, help with packaging and everything else. And so, I streamlined the process so that the recipes are already set, the, uh, the packaging process is set, like... Everything is already pretty much set. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm not there, it's going to be done the way that I would do it. And, and so that's how I was that's how I was taught. Your business is only successful if it can operate if you're not there. And so, right. So you have trusted and so, yes. people
0: and right. Yes. Trusted people you know can operate it as well. Yes. If not as well, but yeah. at least as close to as well as you would have done it.
2: Yeah, and, and then we're we're gonna be combining it, we're making it part of the nonprofit organization. My feet are off the ground.
0: Is that only in Atlanta? My feet are off the ground. No. Though that's we actually no no no. It's. Not I know it started as a nonprofit in Atlanta, but okay, talk about that for a second.
2: It did, but we're but we're also we're doing the work here in Buffalo. Also, we're just preparing to get grants and get some expansion done and purchase the building and, and all this housing. Because the first thing we do is we provide footwear. Uh, shoes and footwear for homeless and sheltered uh, uh, individuals. But the, the larger part of it is setting up housing, transitional housing facilities for family units. Because mm. there's a lot of places that are available for like women and children. Then there's places even for men and children, but there's not a lot of places for families with children who have been displaced or are homeless or need, you know, housing temporarily or whatever. And so the program is going to be set up for rent-free housing for at least one to two years for each uh, family mm-hmm. that, uh, that qualifies. And while they're there along with taking, you know, classes, they'll be able to be employed through the Twisted Cheesecake.
0: Oh, I see the connection. Yeah, so we're going to be
2: using the Twisted Cheesecake as the source of uh, employment for the people going through the, the My Feet Off the Ground program. Wow, wow. Yeah. And since since we're still here, I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the footnotes for this.
0: Okay. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Give me the footnotes. Yeah, I'm going to leave you some footnotes real quick. Okay. Uh, just because just because you're my new friend. So there are still two other projects that i have also worked on. So one of them is I'm a children's book author now, and I am preparing to publish my first children's books. It's going to be a series. It's they're so beautiful. I can't wait to get them, get them out. Oh. I am developing, and this is also part of my PhD uh, program, developing a uh, a program which I did the trial run last summer called How to Grow a Human. <laughs> and so I, you don't know this, but I'm a farmer. I'm a
0: grower. I did notice that Gardner was listed. Uh, I did notice that Gardner was listed yes. under your Yes. And last year I grew over 40 different varieties of fruits and
2: vegetables. We don't even go to the produce section in the grocery stores anymore Mm because we grow all of our own food at home. And so I just purchased my wife and I, we just purchased a farm, a farmhouse and a farm out in Cateragas. Our backyard is probably 13 acres. And so we are, are developing a program that teaches leadership and life skills to students as well as I'm going to be expanding it to businesses for leadership training through the art of growing and Mm self-sustainability. I'm making a lot of juxtapositions between the growing process and the leadership process. And so I'm teaching leadership skills through growing and developing this program, How to Grow a Human. And I've been writing the book for it, and I'm also writing the uh, putting together the workbooks for students. And on the land, I'm going to be developing a campus Uh, with the the greenhouse and the class spaces and all that so that I can get it out working with the Buffalo Public School System so that children can take field trips to the land to do workshops and classes on leadership and life skills while learning how to grow and do self-sustainability. So that's something that I'm really, really, passionate about and i started doing it here at the cultural center last summer for 10 weeks i did it with students developing a garden here at the agency on the land outside Mm -hmm. and they grew fruits and vegetables the whole summer and they harvested and they learned leadership
0: and life skills it was a great process it was do you ever fear that you're gonna slice yourself too thin that you've <laughs> you've spread yourself over. I mean, you got this, 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 this. Oh wait a minute, I have another hand over here. I, mean, I can also do this, 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 and this. It's like, where do you find the time to write? Where do you find the time to create a children's book? Where do you find the time <sighs> to, to farm? Where do you find the time to come up with these ideas? Where do you find the time? I guess that's what comes with being young, because I can't. I don't. I don't ever remember having that much energy.
2: I, I, I don't think I have that much energy. I just, <laughs> I, I, I get very little sleep and that's something that I've been working to correct, okay? My wife is trying to force me to get more <laughs> rest and I also have to make sure that I'm spending time with my family. Oh,
0: well, there's that. You know? like
2: Life-work balance is, is a real thing. And so it actually helps for me to include my family in almost everything that I'm doing, they all know the farming process, they all know growing, and they work in the gardens with me. My kids are in a lot of my productions, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they all perform,
0: they act, they dance, they sing. You're including it, them in everything. Yeah, yeah, I got <laughs> everything, you. Everything, yeah. Well, the answer is clearly you can't stop. Every time you found like this little smidge of space in your life, you said, I gotta fill that with something. Something. And, and uh, you cannot stop.
2: The big goal is to have somebody else oversee all of these things. I just, I'm the one that just, I'm just the vessel that dreams these ideas.
0: You're the idea man. Yep, I got you. Yes,
2: but I really would love for somebody else to be able to take over, take on these projects, yep. and and just run with them. You know, I just, I have to get these ideas out of me because i get overwhelmed with my my thoughts and my sleep and my dreams and i'm coming up with this
0: stuff in my dreams I, frankly i don't even you know now i see now why it took me a little while to get a hold of you and i don't <laughs> i don't know what how you found time to talk to me today because you i've never honest to god i i don't think i've met anybody who's been as active in so many things and has taken so many things upon yourself and and your family of course yes i really appreciate you talking to me today let me ask let me give you one more one last thing Mm -hmm. tell us one thing about the paul robeson about about your future there or what you hope your hopes are for the future just sort of an immediate thing where do you see the paul robeson going under the direction of yao khalil Newkirk.
2: Ooh, that's a big question.
0: Yeah.
2: Ah, you know, there there's so many things that I would really love to, to see happen. But the biggest thing for me is that there are systems in place. So that this theater, whether I'm here or not, will continue to flourish and to thrive. I know that we are building, we're preparing to, you know, do capital campaigning for our new building, which is set to be built within the next two years, in which there will be three different theaters inside of there. But my goal is to be able to operate a full-time schedule as a full-time theater um the same as any university Mm -hmm. would hire costumers and designers i want to have a class structure set up so that it can be used to collaborate with universities so that we can get internships with students to come in and work throughout the the entire theater season so i want to have it set up so that it's a full, a fully functional operating theater that has its own costume shop inside of it, mm-hmm. that has its own design studio inside of it. Because mm-hmm. um, the truth is, most theaters here don't have costume shops. You know, right. a lot of our costume meters, they go, they are in their kitchen or somewhere sewing these costumes, and they right. have to tote them in their cars to the theater, right. and that's pretty common for our theaters here. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go to a, a university to find a full functioning costume shops, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so I, I want to be able to have a, a a full theater with fully staffed from day to day operating here out of this theater the same as you would at Shays or somewhere else. Like I want to have a fully staffed functioning theater by the time I leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now this capital project you're talking about has this been announced? Is it for the whole AACC, or are you talking about just the theater itself?
2: No, it's the whole African American Cultural Center. It has been announced. It was announced last summer at the uh, uh, Pine Grove Jazz Reunion uh, mm. that we are preparing for this capital campaign. I think Our project is probably about $18 million or so for this building. The the blueprints are so beautiful just to see what we are working towards. It's amazing. And I'm just really looking forward to, because I mean, this agency has been here forever doing wonderful work in the community. Truthfully, we should have had this building years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and so now is the time to really press forward and i'm looking forward to to all this that's
0: getting ready to happen. well i yeah. wish you a lot of luck with that that dream theater sounds terrific and and something that you and everybody else deserves because of the incredible resource that that place has been all these years Yao khalil newkirk it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor talking to somebody with this much ambition and this many irons in the fire Bless you and that beautiful wife, and my God, those six children. Thank you so much. Good for you, my friend.
2: Thank you for uh, the invitation
0: to it, have it, this conversation. It, oh, it's been my pleasure. I'm so glad we finally made connection. This has just been Thank you. enlightening, and I I wish you so much good luck, and hope I run into you in person in the future. Yes, absolutely. You take care of yourself, my friend. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. mention michelle's husband now not that guy look what you've started i oh never mind i hope you enjoyed that Yao khalil newkirk the new artistic director of the paul robeson theater and as you could tell a very fascinating man so that's it for this week's edition of rltp's off road and don't forget An RLTP fundraiser is taking place this Saturday, April 2nd, 8 p.m. It's called From Screen to Stage. Go to roadlesstraveledproductions.org. Look under the menu item of events and find Screen to Stage Beverly Hills Cop to get your tickets for this. This once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see Beverly Hills Cop performed live on stage. I'll be performing Ronnie Cox's Lieutenant Bogomil... And I hope to see you there. Till then, I'll see you in a couple of weeks right here on RLTP's Off Road with me, Pete Pomisano.